Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time, so we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, a podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history, Jeff. My name awesome. is Corey. And my name is Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing fantastic because we have guests today, Corey. Yes, we do. Al tipped us off that we were going to be doing film scores this week. <laughs> Which, you got to know, music is always one of my favorite things to do. But I am not an expert. So we phoned a friend and we called uh, the host's... Chris and Leslie of Measuring the Film Score. One is a film composer. The other one is a musician. And together, they offer their opinions on film scores and the film they are for. So they are perfect guests. Switches, please welcome Chris and Leslie for Measuring the Score. Hello. Yay. How's it going, guys? <laughs> are you doing this fine evening? Uh, honestly, tired. <laughs> Just got off of work. <laughs> feel that. I feel week. that hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a long week. But we are excited about doing this because this is very interesting. We, it's not very often we get to talk about, uh, you know, just one score, but several different scores all at one time. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Film scores are something that we haven't really been able to dive into because honestly, like we are film fans. We right. play music ourselves, but I'm not sure that we are uniquely qualified to really dive deep into judging film scores so it's really exciting to have you guys on here because chris you actually have film uh scored films before right yes i'm a film composer been almost you know 20 years now and i scored money i can't even tell you how many films uh, short films mainly a lot of horror films a lot of dramatic ones um i've gotten several feature films that have uh, been distributed by lionsgate i actually got to work with jeffrey riddick who created final destination yeah, yeah, awesome. Final Destination guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It was a uh, it was a short film called Good Samaritan, and what was really cool about it, it had a uh, Rain Wilson from The Office in there. So, oh no way! Yeah, it was it was a really cool film, and um, uh, Jeff actually called me back for like another film called Body Snatch. Uh, it was a feature film, and he was like, "Oh man, you did a great job on this, so we got to have you back for this." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sure, no problem." <laughs> I was like, That's "The creator awesome. of Final Destination is calling me. Yeah, sure, no problem, man. I'll do it." <laughs> you need to get some of that Final Destination eight money though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've got a question. Since you work on horror films, what is your favorite horror film score? Oh, Halloween. I got. <sighs> I got to go with Halloween. Awesome. I mean, the most I, iconic, I probably, probably right. That well, there's several reasons why, because that was one of the first themes I ever got to uh, create on the keyboard by myself. I, I sat down and I kept listening to the score and I kept trying to figure out the notes because I play by ear. And whereas she, my wife, is classically trained, so she can sight read where I can't. So I, I would sit there and have to listen to the score and figure out how to play the theme. And I didn't stop until I figure out the entire theme right there. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> Halloween and plus the score is amazing. I, I love that score. Yeah, I think personally, between Corey and I, we've had discussions about which is the better score between Halloween or Exorcist. I oh. have always said Halloween. I think Corey kind of leans towards Exorcist. I'm, I'm on the fence, really. Like some some days one, some days the other, right? Like the Exorcist <laughs> really sets a mood. Like that whole thing from tops yeah. to tails as a full cinematic experience 
is right. uh, pretty perfect, you know. Uh, but yeah, Halloween, I'll, I'll give you that because or, every time you hear that theme from the Exorcist, you're like, <laughs> yeah, you just you get the like hair rises up on your neck and you know, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, but I'm on the fence because Halloween is pretty iconic. <laughs> I actually yeah. think you could take, I actually think you could take Exorcist, and if you didn't put it with the Exorcist, you could put it in like the Notebook. It's like a, it's like a good, <laughs> it's like a good. Sh- <laughs> well, the Notebook does end with a murder suicide. So, well, you know, yeah, oh. but it's like a good score. You could put it in any movie. I mean, it's, it's solid pieces. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, right, I don't so know about we, any movie. All right, <laughs> there's a lot so of we movies. Take Exorcist, we take Exorcist and put it in Ice Age. Yeah, yeah. yeah Corey, any Pixar film. Next, next show, <laughs> theme song <laughs> mashups. Scores. Yeah, we'll have you on in another month, and we'll we'll do mashups of of one score from one film to something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be perfect. That so be then perfect. we'll take the score from Back to the Future, and we'll put it into Exorcist. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Right when she turns her hand and starts spitting out the pea soup, that's when you're gonna hear. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah. Right. The the priest enters the room. Yeah, those little chimes. <laughs> and a young priest and an old priest. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, I, I know that you, you and I, I mean, really, Jeff, me, and you, Leslie, share a love for Back to the Future. Yes. I did not know that until just this second. Yeah. I knew that. (laughs) What I'm saying. I knew that, Jeff. Okay. Uh, I love their their show on on Back to the Future uh, score was quite awesome, except I I do have a bit of a bone to pick. And that is uh, that I cannot accept that you you can't listen to that as its own like piece of music. (laughs) I had problems. Uh, yeah. To me, it was like connectivity issues at the very beginning. And then it kind of became more cohesive as it went. I don't know if it's because he was either experimenting with trying to find, you know, the theme or what. But at the very beginning, I had, ish- to me, it just sounded like it was hit, 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 you know. And then then it became, you know, more more concrete as the score progressed. Now, see, we're talking about the first Back to the Future. Now, yeah. the, you know, Back to the Future 2, uh, that one you could probably listen to it on its own. But the first one is is kind of hard to listen to it on, on its own. I, so. I can't accept I it. <laughs> no. It hurts yeah. my geek soul. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a great score. We love it. We love the Back to the Future score. It's just on its own. It is a little difficult to listen to. Well, it was difficult for me to to do that exercise anyway, because I loved the movie so much and I didn't want my love for the movie to taint what I was about to say. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah I would you not know? be able to sort of disassociate my my love for the film. Like it would just be like, yeah, everything. Five. It was very you know, hard. Scores on everything, you know. But they hard. had to supplement the whole movie with Huey Lewis. That's true. So that's yeah. how you know it wasn't a good standalone. <laughs> down, down, exactly. Down, down. Yeah, they had to have that every 15 minutes or so in yeah. between, you know, little chimes. and. I think that whole album was probably on Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> they put all of Huey Lewis's album on on the movie. So yeah, I feel like, he, like he won a card game. Right against Zemeckis or something. It was just like you're going to use uh, half my catalog and you're going to put me in the film. Kenny Kenny Loggins is every single '80s movie. He's the theme song for, right? Yeah, I mean he yep. is the '80s like. Uh, yeah. All right. So Caddyshack, Diane Warren, Top Gun, uh, what Footloose, <laughs> Caddyshack, Top Gun, Two Footloose, yeah. and yeah, just general his whole embodiment and persona just is '80s movies. Exactly. <laughs> and if you listen to the theme song from Top Gun, Danger Zone, 
it feels like the beginning of it feels like the beginning of Chariots of Fire. <laughs> because it's very 80s Chariots of Fire. <laughs> no, but it, like the, the way it starts, the, the way that the progression is, the That's pumping, in, the pumping, the ding, 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 ding. They both have that. Probably Those how you staccato. Got Song. He's like, I know what. <laughs> I'm still from Chariots of Fire. <laughs> He's going. That's, I, I guarantee he was. I guarantee the producers brought him in and said, "We want Chariots of Fire for Top Gun." And then he went, "I see Chariots of Fire on this on the top deck of this aircraft carrier. I'm gonna make this Chariots of Fire for fucking planes, <laughs> fighter jets." Do yeah, this in a exactly. rock ballad. <laughs> yeah, in and a speaking rock of ballad. chariots of fire, I believe that's one of the songs in the Academy Awards oh, that we're shit. talking about. Uh, well, we, we can get into into that, but I know I'm just trying I'm, to segue. I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious. I'm not ready to segue yet, Jeff. <laughs> no, segue. I'm curious. I'm curious how how scoring. I mean, I'm sure it's easier now, but like you said, you've been scoring for like 20 years. Like, how does that work? Because you guys are not located like in the heart of, you know, Hollywood making, you know, how does how does that relationship work with with film uh, studios or producers or directors uh, not, not being sort well. of in the epicenter? Not very well, <laughs> not very well at all, because no? there uh, because there there's a lot of uh, directors out there that have wanted to work with me. And unfortunately, they're getting told by their producers, well, he's not in L.A., so, so you know, we can't go with him. It's like because they're like, oh, the, the tax write off and everything else It's like, wait, really? Seriously? And I mean, and the guy still wants to work with me. He's, you know, bought like a lot of my albums off of Bandcamp. And, but he's just like, I'm sorry, dude, I can't. You know, the, all the producers that I'm working with, they they won't allow it unless it's That's like an independent so project. Yeah, I know. I, I don't understand yeah, it. But this the, day and age with Skype and Zoom, you'd think that, you know, they would be willing to to do long distance call with him if they had an issue um, because, you know, most of the uh, music uh, is done, you know, kind of electronically until they, you know, add uh, a band or orchestra to it or whatever they're trying to accomplish. You think that they could do it long distance and he still has issues with, you know, him finding uh, those clients out on the West Coast. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, do, do you... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, do, do you see then, like, because there is a shift in sort of New Orleans and, uh, you know, Atlanta area that's more in your general region of Alabama that would be closer production wise? Like, would are those more open? Actually, no, there, there have been like, you know, there have been some projects here in Alabama that, you know, I would try to get on. And most of my jobs will come out of state. It's like all of the all the shot, you know, all this, uh, the productions that are going on here or close by, they've already got their composer already, you know, in the bag and everything else. And it's like, oh, man, I wish I'd known about you. You know, oh, that would have been great. And it's like, well, you know, I'm right here now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, has it, 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 has it helped that like 90% of the industry is moving towards Georgia now? Uh, it's it's really the same thing. I mean, it's it's most of the jobs with me. You know, I know a lot of composers. There's a guy in, in Louisiana right now that it he he's getting you know a ton of lifetime movie jobs, and you know he scored uh, Jeepers Creepers three. Nice. I mean, he's a great composer. It was just it was the right right time for him, and he found the right person, and it just kind of went from there. It's just with me for some reason, <laughs> I haven't found the right person yet. <laughs> And so with uh, Lifetime movies, they basically just change the score slightly and change the background <laughs> to like yeah. Christmas to Valentine's Day. And then they just have a whole new movie. 
It's the same score. Yeah. You just have to like arrange it with different types of instruments is all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, these are our Christmas block of movies. Just add some sleigh bells. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Rework the theme a little bit, you know, yeah. kind of make it creepy. For Instead Halloween. of having a piano right here, let's have a little bit of strings. Oh, perfect. That'd be great. Sounds yeah. just like... <laughs> You know, make make it a minor key when we do the this sort of like uh, she shouldn't have dated that guy movie. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you get into Lifetime uh, original movies, though, like I f that would be just like back up a truck because yeah, much they make eight hundred of them. I had a chance to score one of them, and the director called me up. He's a friend of mine. He's like, hey, guess what? I'm doing a Lifetime movie, uh, so get prepared. We're going to do this. I'm like, okay, cool. So what do I need to start listening to? He's like, a lot of dramas, a lot of piano dramas. I'm like, okay. And then like right at the last minute, he tells me, oh, sorry, man. The project fell through. It's not going to happen. I'm like, oh, I was actually getting like, excited. <laughs> excited. I was getting excited lifetime. to score a Lifetime movie. I was going around to people at work. I'm, I'm scoring a Lifetime movie. And then it's like, oh, no, yeah. not anymore. Like, Lori Laughlin was the star. And then she got <laughs> oh, jail. sent to jail yeah. so he couldn't do it. It's an unfortunate <laughs> series of events. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the movie. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wow. It was about a college scandal. It was all too much uh, art imitating life and it just fell through. Yeah. All too much was the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, man, it's like what goes into scoring a film? Like, do you really just try to pluck out uh, a major theme? Uh, this is sort of like is going to segue sort of into like what we're talking about later. But, you know, like what, what really differenti differentiates a score from, say, just like a theme song or an original, you know, like song that is paired to a movie. Well, I mean, for me, when I'm sitting there scoring something, the first thing I want to come up with is, is a theme. I want to have that centralized theme for the entire movie. I want to have the heartbeat of the movie right then and there from the very beginning, because if not, then the whole film doesn't really have, you know, a backbone. It doesn't have the strength to carry on throughout the whole thing. So for scoring, I'll just sit there and watch the movie with no music or sometimes I'll put it on mute and just sit there and watch it and try to get an understanding of the movie and try to get a feeling for it. So, I mean, scoring compared to like making a song or something is is completely different because with a song, you're just trying to capture the essence of the movie or the storyline like okay let's you know like top with top gun there for example you're in danger zone and they're you know pilots and everything else with with the score though you're trying to embody so much you know the feeling the storyline the all of the characters everything right then and there through music and that's like one of the hardest parts to do but it's also one of the most fun things to do too. <laughs> I'm sure as it once once you find like that melody, they're just like that's the movie, right there. That's oh, that's there those so know, many seven notes, eight notes strung together. Yeah, there she she can tell you that there's been so many times I was like I, I could not come up with a theme, could not come up with a theme, and then when I finally got, it, I'm like I'll just lean back and Jerry go yes, I got it. Okay, I can do this now. <laughs> okay, so we got to ask both of you <clears throat> what. Corey and I have talked about this. I don't know if Corey had a full answer, but we'll see. What movie has the best score that you, or has one score that you're like, that's the one I love? Oh. For and me, is that what we inspired you to do your podcast? For me, we've already, there's a, there's two that I really like and that still stick out to this day. Um, and we covered one of them. Uh, was it the last, uh, we released the last episode? 
uh, what, the mummy. Yeah, yeah, the mummy. The mummy. Yeah, uh, I absolutely love the mummy. Brendan uh, Fraser or Tom Cruise? Brendan no, Fraser. Fraser version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's really yeah. the only one of record. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love that score um, because of the complexity of it, um, and you know, plus you know I'm a history buff, so uh, I love um, because I'm a history buff. I like you know cultural music, and it's got kind of like this Middle Eastern kind of flair to it. But you have this, you know, classical orchestration sound to it. Uh, you got places where, it, you know, you got adventure music and then there's a love story element to it. And it, to me, it just it, it mixes all of those feel good, in my opinion, because I'm a lady, you know, not all guys kind of agree, but all those feel good <laughs> feelings and, you know, the score. And then the second one for me is the Patriot. I absolutely love the Patriot yes. score because I love well, James Horner is one of my favorite composers and i just absolutely love uh his work and william's work and you know that classic sound and uh you know the patriot to me is just wonderful it's another one of those scores that i'll rank up there with the mummy yeah patriots john williams i know okay sorry i said classic sound okay okay you you missed the second part (laughs) (laughs) the the patriot is is one of those movies i remember being in like i i i realized uh we, you know, as as I started getting into uh, sort of researching the, the films that, that we're going to get into, um, that I I just sort of absorb a score. I don't really like uh, like consciously feel like or hear the score. Like I'll just sort of absorb it as part of the bigger picture. But I do remember. I mean, there are obviously some exceptions where the the score is very catchy, and you know, like really anything John Williams does. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's got a it's got a, a hook and a backbeat. You can't lose it. You know, like uh, But I, I do remember walking out of the Patriot specifically and being like wowed by, um, sort of how powerfully it swells in that movie. And a yeah, lot of very that emotional. Yeah, and it's a very emotional, uh, a very emotional piece in places. But you know, I'm originally from South Carolina. And, you know, they talked about the Patriot. Well, he was based on Francis Marion, which is the swamp fox that, you know, uh, used to um, uh, go through the swamps around the area where my my grandmother lives uh, in Monk's Corner uh, and all those swamps in those areas. And uh, so, you know, we instantly, because we're from the Carolinas, knew what they were talking about. We instantly knew some of the places that they were talking about in the movie. Um, so, you know, I had a personal connection to the movie because of where I grew up and where my family's from, but then he adds this amazing score to it. And to me, I think it's just, you know, it was so impressionable to me and it just, you know, it encompasses all those emotions. I like a good score that invoke emotion, either sadness or anger or, you know, happiness to me that because when you have a score that evokes emotion, then you know that that score is actually doing its job. And it's doing its job in the movie. Um, but when you have a score that is just crap in the background, <laughs> in essence, it's not going to be memorable. And it can bring the movie down. And so I think that it just, you know, I as you said, you, you remember that. It, you remember it felt good. You remember, to me, it's the same way. And it was one of the first CDs that I bought. Um, when they used to put them, you know, when they were converting from tape decks it's one of the first cds i bought yes for for the kids that are younger than uh, 22 (laughs) out there a cd is a compact disc it's a piece of plastic (laughs) that a laser would read and we would hear music 
cassette tape has got actual tape inside of it. Oh, now we got to explain cassette tape. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then we have to explain how to use the pencil inside just to rewind it. You hope you you spliced it together just right. You hope you got it. (laughs) You know what? Just go out and watch a John Hughes film. It'll cover all of it. Exactly. (laughs) Or high fidelity. Yeah, high fidelity. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking about that. (laughs) He just said what I was thinking. That's great. (laughs) We're connected. (laughs) Wow. What 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 inspired you then to to create a whole podcast dedicated to you know discovering the nooks and crannies of uh, film scores? I was sitting around. I had been talking about I wanted to do a podcast because I was a part of another podcast. Uh, It was a film kind of like a filmmaking podcast, and. Uh, and unfortunately, it fell through. And I had been talking about it for years. I was like, "Oh, I'd like to do another podcast. I'd like to do another podcast." And I said something to her that I would like to do one. And she said, "Why don't we do one?" I was like, "Okay, what would it be on?" She said, "Film scores. We're always sitting around talking about them anyway. Why don't we do it?" And I'm like, "You know, that's a good idea because you know, I'm like, I'm a film composer. You're a musician. I'm like, this would be great. This would work." <laughs> you know, it goes way back to when we were dating. <laughs> How did I know this story was coming up? (laughs) So we were dating and, you know, he knew I played the flute and and he knew that, you know, I had some musical knowledge and we went to the grocery store and we bought some groceries. I can't remember. I was making dinner that night or something. And I opened my trunk and I forgot I had the score to the Lord of the Rings in my trunk, (laughs) but it was laying in my trunk. (laughs) And so we go and load the, the, uh, the groceries into the trunk. Chris looks down and he sees the score to Lord of the Rings. And he goes, you listen to music scores? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. I'm like, I'm playing the flute. Of course I listen to music scores. He goes, I've never met a girl that listened to music scores before. Yeah, inside, he was just like, soulmate, 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 soulmate. <laughs> I, I guess I was like, check. <laughs> no, it was like, there was like one check box and that was the only one. He was like, check he was like fumbling for like anything that he could use as a ring that moment like (laughs) so i found her i found her (laughs) that's pretty much a lady that listens to scores well it was like every every relationship i had ever had up until then was all like film scores oh no there's no words (laughs) i'm like dude you're killing me no and then when yeah. she said, yeah, I really like the mummy. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I love I that, that it was Leslie's idea for, yeah. for the podcast, too. It was like, like it's a total wife moment, too, where she kind of just like hits you on the back of the head with like, dummy, we're going to do a podcast about film scores. Why else Something would we do anything we both other? love together. And, <laughs> talk about. and see, we sit around talking about film scores as it is. And we'll sit there and watch a movie. We'll actually pause it and be like, you know what? I really like this, like the, how the score was playing on this. Yeah, I don't either. You know, So we start talking about the complexities of everything. It was like. Ding. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> we're, we're so dorky that, you know, we could be just driving 15 minutes of a street and we start playing. Oh, have you listened to the latest score from such and such movie? And we put it in. <laughs> and we start listening to it. And we're like, mm, we don't like it. Let's change it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm so, excited for, for everything you, you guys are going to bring to the uh, second half of this show. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> your, your love will, will transcend and you'll be able to actually correctly score these films for us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Our opinions might not be your opinions. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I can already tell you that it's not because Corey <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But you know you what? Guys are the experts. But you know what? That's great because you guys are obviously more have more expertise in this area, and I like to hear a, a differing opinion from mine. So it's going to be good. 
I mean, I, I can tell you right now that Chris and I are pretty much in line. Uh, we're pretty biased towards uh, the 1982 lineup here, but oh, we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't break. know if you know about all the of the scores. I mean, I listened to all the scores. No, and no, no. Movies, no, I didn't mean. So I, I didn't mean. Pretty much in line. <laughs> I think I don't know. We don't know about what they their opinions are from all the scores, just from the that's true. The main that's true. two. No, it, it'll, <laughs> so, be, it'll be exciting. the main two. The only two. No, <laughs> the only two that matter. The lineups. <laughs> Well, you, you guys are you guys are taking off, uh, you know, you're only nine episodes deep and you, you guys are, you know, skyrocketing on, on social media and you're getting nice reviews written up by you uh, or for you. Um, and you're, you, you got featured on on Podchaser. Yep. Yeah, that's it awesome. was uh, the top top 50 podcast for the month of June. And they, they were kind enough to put us in there. And I was not even expecting it. It was just uh, in. We had no idea it was going to happen either. It was just like, boom, there we are. It's like, I think it was uh, another podcast had posted it. And I was like, oh, okay, let me just see the list. And I was like, measuring the score. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, that's, our, totally that's our show. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't do the social media and I'm totally oblivious. He sent me that list. I'm like, what am I looking at? <laughs> this means nothing to me. What's going on here? <laughs> I know when um, last month when we were on the Academy Awards of podcasts, I didn't realize that uh, I didn't realize what it was, you know, until sure. Corey gave us the Oscar, yeah, sure, a podcast. I do that and, for him uh, every year. It's fine. Yeah, just to it was just a it was just an honor for me to be nominated. And then when we got the actual Oscar, we won, podcast, yep. it was pretty awesome for me. Congratulations! Sorry Thank you. Late. You know, <laughs> owe it all to if our agents. Know, and, uh, yeah, if we had known, we would got you. Yeah, we would have. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we do owe it all to the Academy. Yeah. The thanks, podcast thanks the academy, academy out there yeah we switch the envelope <laughs> podcast academy did he make you pay for your award like chris's awards and you yeah. win you have <laughs> to pay for awards that you won yeah i i've actually uh, i've won a uh a telly award and i had to pay for the entry fee and then i had to pay for the award <laughs> you had to pay for the trophy yeah did you pay any lira euro or or dollars <laughs> Bitcoin. i think it was all three so so what you're telling us is that awards are really just a money-making scam pretty much yeah like oh. i'm not sure our podcast academy award is real yeah i'm just kidding <laughs> no it's that one's totally legit jeff okay. the other ones are not real like legit ones i mean it was given to us by the snow white outside of the dolby theater down in la but you know she was very nice and she was very cheap. Cosplay going on down the street. I'm just wondering. <laughs> now, was this award made out of paper mache or is it? I mean, no, is clay. Very, no, clay. Very quality, very quality polymer plastic. Artsy. Artsy. <laughs> I can see that. Artsy for the arts. Got it. Artsy for the arts. <laughs> well, that does it for part one of our episode with Chris and Leslie from Measuring the Score podcast. Tune in next week when we discuss the 1982 Academy Awards for Best Original Score. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to switch the envelope at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are streamed. You can follow us on social media at Switch Envelope on Twitter or Switch the Envelope on Instagram. We will see you next week, folks. Stay tuned for the promo from our friends over at Measuring the Score Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Measuring the Score. I'm Chris Lott. And I'm Leslie Lott. Join us as we offer our opinions on some of our favorite film scores. As well as some of yours. We judge the score on its own as well as against the film. So click the subscribe button and listen in as we begin Measuring the Score.
Each episode of Switch the Envelope written and produced by Jeff and Corey. Each episode mixed at Studio 85. Switch the Envelope is a Riff Laugh production.